And Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we are, than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So he called it named Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its names Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And from there he went to Bathsheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. And so he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servant dug a well. When Abimelech went to see him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his advisor, and Phicol, the command of the army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? And they said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast. And they ate and they drank. And in the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. And that same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Uh, therefore the name of the city is Bathsheba to this day. And I'll stop there. And the point I want to somehow talk about a little bit is the idea of cisterns and wells. And does anyone know what a cistern is? Sorry? Water storage. So it's, it's something that's been dug. It comes from the Hebrew word to dig or to bore. So it's something that's dug. It's a subterranean reservoir for storing water. And it, that water can come from the rain. It comes from a spring or a well. It can be a private one that, that someone had. Or it can be a public one in a town where they had dug a huge one to supply water for people. That's a cistern. It's a place to store water. Then there is a well. What's a well? Sorry? Water supply. So it's a shaft that's been dug down to reach underground water. So there's a spring underground and it's been dug to tap into that the, the water table or a spring of water underneath and it creates a place of water. It's um, That spring is normally a natural thing. It's not... It's not just rainwater. It's there. In the desert, we call that an oasis. Okay, there's a well, a spring of water that's come up. And the point that I'm, I, I want to make is that when we 
of following Jesus. There's this reality that life in the Spirit is, is tapping into a spring of water that God has provided. Sometimes we have those moments where it just bubbles up and we partake. Other times we actually have to dig a well. The enemies of what God wants to do is want to stop up the wells. So Abraham dug all these wells in the desert, found water, was life sustenance. Enemies came through rocks in, through sand in, blocked up the wells. Isaac came, the son of promise, and unblocked all the wells again. Then they fought over it. Eventually he found a well that gave him water. This is, what I, this is the point I want to make today. In the last few weeks, with Buzz being sick and Buzz's passing and me traveling overseas and then rushing back and then in the last... I have done very little digging of wells. In fact, I've done no digging of wells. Actually, what I've been doing is tapping into my cistern of water that I've been supplying over the last three or four years. Because in the last three or four years, I've been digging wells in my life. My spiritual practices have been providing, they've been storing up water. And in the last two weeks, I've had to tap into that reservoir for my own sustenance to care, to talk. Whatever I've been doing flows out of what I, what I dug. Does that make sense? But that reservoir is getting down. Now, I'm, I'm exhausted. I, I don't think I've ever been this tired in my life, to be quite honest. And it's not sleep that I need. It's something else because it's deep inside I'm exhausted. But at the same time, I've been able to keep going at a level that I wasn't expecting, being able to minister and pray for people, all those things. And the only thing I can put it down to is that I have a reservoir, a cistern of, of water that I've been putting into for four years that I've been now been able to take out. When we spoke, uh, especially Aaron and I have been speaking about spiritual practices and solitude and silence and meditation, all those things is actually spending time with God, allowing the Holy Spirit to give us water, digging into the fullness of God and storing it. I wasn't thinking about storing it, but it's actually filling you up and storing for the day when you need to draw it out. It's like God gives us grace and we can draw from that grace. But if we stop filling up the wells or stop filling up our cisterns, eventually we will run dry and we will just suck sand. And what I've been noticing sometimes is that we, we, we get overwhelmed with life and we get overwhelmed with things. And when we go to tap, all we are drawing is sand, no water, or it's very, very muddy at the bottom. And I want to encourage us to, in a time of doing well, 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 to actually fill your system with water. Spend time with Jesus. Allow the Holy Spirit to pour into you. Get to know the Scriptures. Get to know Jesus. Know what it is to hear His voice. All those things so that you are filling your cistern with water. You only get that water if you dig a well into the life of God by the Spirit. It doesn't just happen. You have to dig a well. And as you tap into that underground water, it will gush. And if it's a good one, it'll bubble for a while. But you want to take some of that and store it well for when you need it. And mostly you need it for others rather than just yourself. Is that right? So I know I've got a season ahead of me where I'm going to have to do a lot of waiting upon God. Tapping in to God so that I can restore my reservoir. 
of God's grace and God's life. You know, in Isaiah 41, it says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What's he talking about? I think he's talking about he's given us stuff to re-energize us, put stuff in our tanks so that we can keep going. And when we run on empty, you eventually run out. You stop on the side of the road. and You need someone to come and help you. And my concern, is this okay? My concern is this, is that we are meant to be the rivers of life. The river is supposed to flow through us. Jesus said, come to me, drink, and I will put a, a well inside of you that will flow out for the healing of the nations that we can minister to the world around us. And mostly we are stuck on the side of the road needing people to come give us a, a, a gallon of gasoline to get going. We should be stopping for others on the side of the road and giving them life. So I want to encourage you, as we have, I think, done over the last years, to actually don't forget your spiritual practices. Don't forget about waiting upon God. Don't forget about tapping into the life of God, whether that's in the Spirit and you sit with Him, or it's in the Scriptures or whatever, so that your reservoir is full, because we're going to need it. We weren't expecting this last few weeks. It hit us hard. But I want to say from, from where I am, my personal life i've been able to cope not without tears because i've had a reservoir that's fairly full i hope that you're not hearing that as a brag in any way it's just i've done work work i've never done before in a what type of work i've never done silent in silence god fill me and it's been amazing to actually keep going i've hardly had any sleep when i go to bed i wake up at three in the morning I get tired, yeah, but this, I don't feel like I'm depressed. This feels like there's life. But what I can sense is if I keep going like that and don't refill, I'm going to come totally unglued. I don't want that. But I want to encourage you all to that sort of life because we don't know what's coming down the pike. We don't know the next event that is coming our way where we need the resources of Jesus for the sake of others. You know, um, I've, I've said this to Jess, if this is okay. You know, th this last two weeks has been a lot of family around, people caring. Whoa. But you know something? We all got to go back to our lives. We all got to go back to work. Jess's family, most of them have left. They've gone back to Chicago. Buzz's family have all gone. Then Tuesday, your mom leaves, and then your cousin leaves. Or she might stay a bit longer. You guys are all going to go back to work. You've got kids, you've got all sorts of things. We have to get on with life. Well, we need the Holy Spirit to help us, you know, because I'm, I'm, Jess is going to be there. She's going to need some help along the way. We've got to step up, don't we? Because that's what community is. So we need to make sure we're energized and resourceful aye, so that we're not merely resourcing ourselves. We are here to resource others. We are called to love others, give grace to others, not just for ourselves. And if the work we're doing is merely for us, I think we're missing out on the big picture of why, what Jesus wants us to do. Um, does that make sense? I want to encourage you to get with Jesus. However, whatever works for you, for some solitude and silence, maybe you want to run around the block screaming and that gets you going in Jesus. Wonderful, do it. But whatever it is, 
tap into the Holy Spirit and let him cleanse you, let him fill you up, let him empower you, store into your reservoir, because we're going to need it. Teach your children how to do that. So much of the Old Testament is teach your children the ways of the Lord. Teach them, teach them, teach them, so that we have something that we draw from. In our time of weakness, which we all go through, we need someone who's strong next to us that we can get behind or lean into who will actually give us life. Do you remember that word kedging? Many years ago I spoke on kedging. Anyone remember that word? It's a, a sailing word for those who weren't here. Um, in the days of sailing ships, you would, you know, you would be sailing and you'd hit dead wind. What's that, what's that place called? Doldrums. The doldrums. No wind. Boat stop. No motors. And so you could just sit there and get bored and do nothing. But a wise captain would put into process a thing called kedging. And kedging is they'd lower the rowboat, they put the anchor rope with the anchor into the boat, and they would row out 100 yards, however long the rope was, they would drop the anchor, and they'd sail back, and then all the sailors would pull the boat forward on the anchor rope, maybe 30 yards. Then they'd pull the anchor up from the rowboat, go out again, drop the anchor, come back, pull the boat forward. So in the doldrums, when there's no wind, the wise captain kept his sailors active. He kept the boat moving. He had them cleaning the decks. He had them trimming, you know, mending the sails. He had them making sure the cannonballs were piled correct, that the gunpowder was dry, that the whatever. He kept them working, but he kept them kedging. Let's keep this boat moving forward. So that when the wind comes, they're ready. They're not all just lying there sunburned, you know, in the doldrums themselves. They were active. And I want to encourage us that in the times where it feels like God is not doing anything, and for some of us, we feel like most of our lives are like that. God's not doing it. Where is God? You pray and you go, clunk, clunk. Have you had those moments? You get on your knees, no, nah, I can't do this, I'm too sore, or whatever. It just feels dead. I want to encourage you to spiritual practices, to keep up the work of kedging, of filling your reservoirs, your cisterns with life, so that when things begin to happen, good or bad, you have something to draw from, and you are actively, and you're energized, and you are strong and fit for what God wants to do. Some of us me, have missed what God is doing because I've been so in the doldrums myself, I haven't kept myself active. So God comes and does things and I don't, I don't recognize him, I don't see it. And I want us to be ready for what God has to do. I'm giving you two messages here. One is if you would have a full system, you'll be able to go through rough times. You've got something to draw from. When things are not going right, keep filling the system, whether the Holy Spirit's active or you don't feel he's active. Just keep up with your routines. Keep up with your practices. Keep up with your rule of life. Whatever term you would like to use, I don't care. Just keep up connecting with God so that you are ready. When we see God leading 
the Jewish people in the wilderness by fire or by cloud. When the, when the fire or the cloud stopped, what did the Jews do? They stopped. And when it moved, and sometimes it was a day and sometimes it was years, it just stopped. We have to be ready for those moments. We have to be alert to those moments. When is God stopping? Why was he stopping? Trust him. He's going to provide for them, get everything ready, mend things, and then get going again. We have to be ready for those things. Um, every time that I met with Buzz in his sickness, well, actually we started before, I think. We did Psalm 23. I think every single time. Not necessarily the whole Psalm, portions of it. We'd think it through, we'd talk about it. In the last days, actually, that becomes an encouragement and that becomes a strength. It became to me and it came to him. The day that Buzz passed away, he texted me, or the day before, he left a voice message. And he quoted Psalm 23 at me. Why? Because we've been practicing Psalm 23. We've been doing Psalm 23. It's become life. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? God is with me, saying... I want you to know, I've been praying, God is with you. doesn't matter what you face. You need to know you're going to be okay. God is with you. Those are his words to me. That's what I've been telling him. Why? Because you're kind of doing some work. And that work, if you do it well, when they cut you, will leak out. And in those moments, was leaking out of Buzz was Psalm 23. Isn't that good? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I want to ask you to do the work. So that what leaks out of you is God life. Isaiah chapter 12. Well, we finished. Starting in verse 1. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Read that. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Isn't that a great little text? With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Going back to me. How's your well doing? Is there water to draw from? Is the well of salvation being applied to your life that you can draw from it? It's not just the well of getting saved. It's the well of an ongoing life in Jesus, of living out saved life. Drawing from that every day. And putting back every day. I worked in a bank once for a few years. I went to university. And I was finishing my first year on a Bachelor of Science. 
was in the top five of all my classes, math, physics, chemistry, and zoology. And while writing exams at the end of the year, I realized that I had run out of money to skydive. So I just left university and got a job in a bank, thinking I'd have a lot of money, but I didn't. But anyway. But the bank manager, who'd been a bank manager for a long time, he was a lovely old man. One day, we had to say to him, your wife is overdrawn on her account. He said, what? So he came back and he told us the story. He said, he went and spoke with her. He said, do you not check, keep a check of your accounts? She said, no, I still have checks in my checkbook. That was her, I had checks in my checkbook, there must be money in the account. We have, to keep a, we have to keep a count of what we have in our well. Otherwise, we write checks and think, oh, I've still got checks, and we actually go into overdraft. If you want to take money out of your account, what's the first thing you have to do? Well, before that, put money in the account. <laughs> Make money and put it in the account. You can't take out if you haven't put in. Is that fair enough? You can't take out of the account if you haven't put in. If you do, what happens? You go into the red. And if you go into the red, you start paying interest. And then the money you had gets reduced by a whole lot. And many of us are trying to take out of our wells, take out of our accounts what we haven't put in, and we're suffering for it. We're just playing catch-up the whole time. Rather than being ahead of the game, and we can draw life for others. Have I made the point? I hope so. You can live on someone else's well for a little while. But eventually you've got to draw from your own well. You can live on another person's well for a little bit. You can, you can live on being part of church family for a little while and feel like it's feels so good. But eventually, it'll catch it up with you. And you have to draw from your own well and see what's there. And that's what's actually happening in our culture today. Our culture is one that has lived under this banner of the Christian faith, you know, and been wonderful but you know what's happening the reservoirs are drying up and suddenly people realize oh i don't have anything i don't have my personal reservoir i actually don't have anything i've been drawing on another now there's nothing and everyone just bails out of the church the church is shrinking don't be one of the statistics sink dig a well deep into the life of god and let it flood you. Let it fill you. So when the opposition comes, you're ready. You say, that's okay. I know how to dig a well. You want to come and take my well? Great. I'll go dig another one. Because I know how to dig a well. I know how to get life in God. Is that right? Take a moment. I want you to close your eyes. Just for a moment, as we've practiced solitude and silence over the last little while. Just sit and say, Lord... Would you just fill me up? Will you love me? Will you speak to me? Will you care for me? Whatever you want, just let God come upon you. If you are still in grieving because of buzz, just say, Jesus, here I am. Will you love me?
Will you care for me? Will you give me stuff to give to another? Um, well, terminology makes a whole lot of sense now because of where we live. So we have, we're very connected to two people that have devoted their work to digging wells for people. And so right now on this tiny beach community where Terry and Tyler have visited, you know, the hardest part in trying to break ground on this project is convincing people that it's worth it and that it actually takes work because we can fundraise all we want in America. That's the easy part-ish. The hard work is saying, okay, going door to door and trying to let people know that this will actually improve their life because they will have clean water and constant water instead of maybe you get water every three days and you fill a plastic barrel and it gets dirty and people get sick all the time and it, it's terrible. But these people have to be willing to contribute. you know. And this week, they are supposed to be digging their own ditches if they want water to their house. And it's amazing how hard it is to, to teach them that this is a good thing. So now we're talking about spiritual wells and cisterns, and it takes so much work. And I think I've lived so much of my life just thinking, yeah, that's a great idea, and thinking it would just happen, and it doesn't. And so it's just been a, the last, a pretty hardcore in the last year of just really like, if I'm pursuing Jesus first, which is what we should be doing as people of faith, that well will be full. And um, I think that's the hardest, that's the hardest part of it all until it becomes habit. So it's just an encouragement that I think the hardest work is actually convincing us all to dig our own ditches that this is gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be blood, sweat, and tears.